are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Strap up, Dolphins fans, and let's get excited for this Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins. Welcome to the show. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and ready to blend all of these experiences together on today's show. Renew mock draft, seven-round mock draft for the Miami Dolphins today. And we're also going to talk about the offensive coordinator candidates that were reported yesterday afternoon, uh, which includes some expected candidates and some unexpected candidates. So I think that's where we need to start. We'll do and cover just pretty surface-level stuff uh, about the six candidates that have been tied to the Dolphins' offensive coordinator position. Uh, we'll hit that first and then go into the mock draft. So the news came through uh, yesterday right around noon. I, I, I saw it from Cam Wolf from ESPN first. I know everybody was on it pretty quick. Uh, but Source had six names attached to Dolphins' interview candidates. Uh, Dolphins running back coach Eric Studsville. Dolphins quarterbacks coach, which is notable in itself, George Godsey. Dolph, or Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, Chargers quarterback coach Pep Hamilton, 49ers run game coordinator Mike McDaniel, and Steelers quarterback coach Matt Canada. First things that jump out, three expected names on this list, uh, and, and three a little bit more under-the-radar names relative to what we were exploring when we looked at you know, what are the criteria that Brian Flores is going after in his elder statesman offensive coach before between Jim Caldwell and Shane Gailey, former head coaching experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 15 years in the league. Well, you get some of that and you don't get some of that. Uh, Eric Studsville and George Gotze, you figured the Dolphins, you know, those are two highly respected coaches within the Dolphins program. Uh, Studsville was here before Brian Flores and stayed on. So that's as good of a testament as you can get to the quality of the coach that he is in Brian Flores' eyes. And Godsey, uh, the news came out, uh, Cam Wolf, in response to this interview candidates list, uh, says, quote, though it was never announced, George Godsey became the Dolphins quarterback coach in the second half of the year. I'd keep an eye, close eye on Studsville, McDaniel, Canada, and Elliott among this group. Interviews begun this week and are still ongoing. Uh, so, yeah, it was never announced, but George Godsey did become the Dolphins quarterback's coach in the second half of the season. We knew this, but we didn't know it. We didn't know how official it was. Uh, so the fact that that was a formality uh, established is of note, working with Tua Tungabaloa. <sighs> Looking at this list, uh, I know there was already one contention. Uh, Tony Elliott may have been an interview candidate, but it does not appear as though he's a candidate for the gig. Uh, there's some conflicting reports. Tony Elliott apparently content to stay with the Clemson Tigers. I really would have liked Tony Elliott. They have some really creative RPO concepts there in in Clemson, and they've shined on the college space in that capacity. But the other three external candidates, besides Studsville and and Godsey, you have Pep Hamilton, who we've talked about on the show, is somebody that that has caught my eye uh, as an appealing candidate. Uh, Matt Canada and Mike McDaniel. So I know McDaniel... And the prospect of the Shanahan coaching tree getting involved here is appealing to a lot of folks. Um, and I do agree from Tua Tagovailoa's perspective. You can get excited about what 
the Shanahan coaching tree would do for him and his his skills as a quarterback and as a passer. Um, my only apprehension there is the Dolphins invested quite a bit in the offensive line, and the offensive line is not friendly to a Shanahan zone rushing offense. Uh, so there would need to be continued remodeling, and you know maybe that's the catalyst you need for Penny Sewell being the pick at number three and uh, Creed Humphrey or. Josh Myers, one of these centers, being the pick in the second round with either 36 or 50, is, you know, you're, you're going to have to get a little bit more zone friendly. And I think Robert Hunt would be fine. Uh, Eric Flowers is not going to be a real good fit in zone, especially wide and outside zone, which is what the Shanahan rushing offenses are known for. You don't need any better uh, evidence of how different that can be then looking at how Matt Breida played in limited opportunities in San Francisco versus what he did with limited opportunities here in Miami. He was completely ineffective in Miami. Now, I will also say, just because Mike McDaniel as the San Francisco run game coordinator is coming from a Shanahan offense does not mean that he's incapable of being scheme flexible, and it does not mean the Dolphins are incapable of adjusting their offensive line on the fly. It can work. But that would be like my footnote with the Mike McDaniel candidacy uh, that would have my apprehension. So I know there's some pushback on Pep Hamilton. I know um, people will look at the offenses that he had in Indianapolis when he was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, They'll look at the time that he spent in Stanford and the time that he spent in Michigan, and you're not blown away by what they did. But uh, the year before Andrew Luck missed half the season, and Pep Hamilton had on Chuck Pagano's staff a fully healthy Andrew Luck. Uh, they were like the number one scoring offense in football. And they did not have a lot of great personnel. They had a great quarterback. So if you think Tua Tagovailoa can be the quarterback that the Dolphins thought he was and that a lot of us thought he could be, you know, that's an exciting proposition. And you're making that higher based on the merit of developing your quarterback. Which, when you look at how much lack of stability we've had at offensive coordinator for the Dolphins for the past, you know, beyond the Brian Flores years. This will be the third offensive coordinator in three years. Uh, But even before that, I think there is some merit to hiring someone who is not going to be in super high demand next year to get hired away from you. Which I'd be surprised if Pep Hamilton goes from uh, quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator for the first time in six years and one year later is getting hired away. So there's a little bit of strategy there in that regard as well. Uh, so I think there is plenty of appeal to Pep Hamilton mainly as it pertains to the development of Tua Tagovailoa. The last one of the external candidates is Matt Canada, who Matt Canada uh, spent some time in Maryland. He spent some time with the LSU program. Uh, known for a lot of these like excessive motions and shifts and all this stuff before the snap to kind of get you to tell your what your defensive tendencies and coverages are going to be. I like that because I didn't think we got a, enough of that from the Changeli offense. Uh, you know, there there was some pre-snap motion, but it was a lot of this like kind of yo-yo or return from the tight end um, just to try and get an indicator in the box. As far as does that linebacker going to go with you or are you going to bump a gap? Um, Matt Canada is, is much, much, much more involved in motions. And 
I do think that is one of the more appealing pieces of what he can bring to the table. Uh, I know he was a hot name for a while. He's kind of fallen off as far as his buzz as a potential college head coach. And, and obviously now he's a quarterback's coach because he did fizzle out. You know, he was the interim in, in Maryland for a while. And now he's a quarterback's coach in Pittsburgh. So, and now, of course, we, we've said all this. Shout out to Hoots. Um, it's here on my timeline as I'm recording. Uh, this is a report that came out this morning. And, and Hoots snagged a screenshot courtesy of Tua Gang Gang. We're getting inception levels of depth on the Twitter timeline mid-podcast here. Report, Mike McDaniel is the top candidate to receive title of offensive coordinator for San Francisco, a league source told NBC Sports Bay Area on Friday morning. So, McDaniel, still a candidate, but he's also in position to get the same role with the team that he's already in, that already has personnel that's that's tailored to him. So, man, I'll stack him. I'll stack them based on, I, I think, likelihood and probability of getting the gig. I would peg right now George Godsey as the favorite, personally. Um, then I would probably say Matt Canada, Pep Hamilton, Eric Studsville, and Mike McDaniel, just because McDaniel is in the position that he's in to get that promotion from San Francisco. What is the order in which I would like to see them? Well, personally for me, that's a different order. Uh, I personally, my personal favorite is Pep Hamilton. We're all not going to agree here, and that's okay. Uh, but from a quarterback development standpoint, I would rather have Pep Hamilton developing to a tongue below than any of the other candidates in place. Beyond that, I'd probably lean Mike McDaniel. Um, if he's willing to have a little bit of scheme flexibility, the Dolphins will have the opportunity to continue to invest. I think Austin Jackson is athletic enough to play in that style of system. But you think about how many backside cutoff blocks the Dolphins could not secure and how raw they were with their hands and blocking at the point of attack. And that, you know, you get helped in that a little bit in the sense that in zone blocking schemes, you're using defenders' momentum against them. Uh, but the Dolphins really, you know, they'll need to readdress the entire interior of the offensive line, at least. And maybe Robert Hunt takes one of those spots. Penny Sewell goes to right tackle. Austin Jackson plays left tackle. And now it's okay. You got left guard. Can we get Solomon Kinley to drop a little bit of weight? And is Michael Dieter or a draft pick going to come into play center? So a lot of musical chairs that would take place with McDaniel, but I do think his credentials are quite strong. So I'd go Pep Hamilton, Mike McDaniel, George Godsey, Matt Canada, Eric Stutzville. That'd be my personal ranking. We'll see how it stacks up. I would expect this decision to be made by the beginning of next week because the Dolphins do have the Senior Bowl that's like right on the cusp or like a week and a half from the Senior Bowl. So it's coming. It'll be here before we know it. They need to have that settled. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less. 
up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. It is mock draft time. So for those who are uninitiated or unfamiliar, the way this is going to work, I'm at thedraftnetwork.com backslash mock-draft-machine. It's a really cool feature that we have over at TDN. Um, people with are much more intelligent than I am, you know, build, build out the infrastructure, but, you know, we have all these uh, inputs that go in the back end as far as team tendencies and uh, as far as trading up and trading down and team needs and individual boards and all, all this kind of stuff. And um, it gives you a, a simulated NFL draft experience and you get to choose whatever team you'd like. And we're going to do one with the Miami Dolphins. And it's going to simulate every other pick other than ours. So this is not just as simple as me writing down, okay, pick number three, I'm going to pull a name out of thin air. Trevor Lawrence at three because so on and so forth, they're going to be gone. No, I'm at the mercy of the simulator here. But we're going to go through each pick, each position, understanding that you know we don't have an offensive coordinator right now. I'm going to make the decisions based on Tua's strengths and building the offense geared towards Tua as best as I can right now. The other variable here is this will send you computer-initiated trade offers. So if we get one, I might take one. And we're going to do a couple of these throughout the course of the offseason. But the first one today, uh, we try our absolute best to keep track of the draft order as it evolves and updates. So as of right now, we have the Dolphins on the books for nine picks. 3, 18, 35, 50, 81. Those are the top 100 picks. The Dolphins have their own fourth round pick in 2021. There was that exchange of a pick that came back and forth uh, as, as part of the, the Lynn Bowden Jr. Raquel McMillan deal. We have the Dolphins having their own fourth at this point in time. And then they have 197 and 202 in the sixth round and 254 in the seventh round. It's picks that are traded for. Involved in swaps throughout the course of the past year, two years. So three 18, I said 35, excuse me, it's 36, 50, 81, 121, 197, 202, and 254. I am not going to look for any trades personally myself, but if we get offers and we like them, we can take them. So let's get started. We're going to start the draft here. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, first two picks coming off the board. The only offer we have with a number three pick is from Atlanta presumably trying to get up for quarterback. They're one spot behind the Dolphins. Uh, they're offering their third-round pick to switch spots. So I could pick up 68 to go from three to four. And I can tell you right now, knowing Atlanta's going to take a quarterback, I'm going to take that deal 10 times out of 10. Now, it gets interesting. We're on the clock once again, and the Eagles are offering us a boatload to jump the Cincinnati Bengals, presumably for Penn A. Sewell. Uh, the three quarterbacks, big three quarterbacks, going off the board in the first three picks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, one, two, and three. We've already picked up a three. Philadelphia is offering for us to go from four to six, and we get 38, 148, 
152, and we just give up four and 68, the pick that we just got in dropping back from three to four. I'm a million percent going to take that, so let's lock it in. Okay, so here's your run. Here's your top five in this mock draft. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Penny Sewell, and then the Cincinnati Bengals drafting Jamar Chase at number five. So we've picked up a bunch of picks, uh, including an extra two, two fives in a round that we didn't have any fives, and we went from three to six. This is why I'm personally an advocate of the trade-back scenario. So the Dolphins now on the clock at six. We have Devonta Smith on the board. We have Jalen Waddell on the board. We have Micah Parsons on the board. Those are, that's probably your short list, to be honest with you, at this point in time. There are no, I have no offers for six, so I'm going to make a pick here at six. And I'm so torn on Devonta Smith versus Jalen Waddle, but I know everybody right now, Devonta Smith's the hot name. So I'm going to do right by Finn's Nation. I'm going to make Devonta Smith the pick here at six, and we're going to hope for the best. We're going to get back on the clock at 18, and I think 18 is a really interesting kind of juncture for the Dolphins uh, because you have uh, this kind of debate on where to take a running back. And not that it matters. Najee Harris went 16 to the Cardinals. So Travis Etienne's on the board at, at 18. Um, but you look at the teams between 35 and 18 that are going to need running backs. You know, Washington, no. Chicago, no. Indianapolis, no. Tennessee, no. The Jets at 23, but they're a team that is so in dire need of talent everywhere. I'd be stunned if they used a pick on a first round, a first round pick on a running back. Pittsburgh at 24, maybe. James Conner's leaving. But they have a lot of departures. Bud Dupree's probably going to leave. Joe Hayden's probably going to leave from a cost perspective. Ben Roethlisberger may be gone. Juju Smith-Schuster may be gone. Alejandro Villanueva, they're off their left tackle. Now, from a cost perspective, they're in the red by a significant amount. So yeah, Pittsburgh, you could say, oh, you know, they'd be a logical candidate. But after that, you know, Jacksonville, James Robinson, a UDFA, just was a big boom. They need help on the offensive line. Cleveland, no. Tampa, no. Baltimore, no. New Orleans, no. Buffalo, maybe. Green Bay, no. They just used it too. Kansas City, no. Jacksonville, we already said them, no. New York Jets, maybe. So it's like the likelihood of seeing running back come off the board here is, is a pretty low one, if we're being honest. Um, so I'm on the clock here at 18. I say all that to say I'm back on the clock at 18. And some of the names that are gone, Quiddy Pay, gone, the defensive end for Michigan. Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State, gone. He went 11 to the New York Giants. Uh, Rayshon Slater, Northwestern, uh, a utility offensive lineman that would have been of interest, gone. Jalen Waddell, gone. Detroit Lions at 7. Kyle Pitts, gone. 15, New England Patriots. Najee Harris, gone. 16, Arizona Cardinals. So the best players available according to the draft simulator at this point in time. Christian Darisaw, left tackle, Virginia Tech. Travis Etienne, running back, Clemson. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker from Notre Dame. He's really interesting, but he's tiny. And I don't know if the Dolphins are going to want another tiny linebacker. And he's at his best in coverage or in, on third downs when he's playing forward in the line of scrimmage. We have corner J.C. Horn. I don't think that's a, a fit that makes sense for Miami at this point in time. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota. 
I'm kind of intrigued here to pick Greg Rousseau from Miami. And the reason why he, he's on the board right now is, you know, he has not played this season. Uh, but he's a local kid to the point where Miami's really going to have a great chance to kind of get a vibe on him and get a feel for what he's, uh, what his development looks like. He's the kind of player that you know could fill the same kind of Jadavion Clowney type role that Miami was so interested in filling with Jadavion Clowney back in 2019. Uh, Zaven Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, he's Kyle Van Noy with an extra 10 to 15 pounds of weight stacked on him. He's another interesting name here at 18. I'd give some consideration to Alex Leatherwood. I wish I had more clarity, uh, the offensive lineman from Alabama. I wish I had more clarity on what the offensive coordinator situation is going to be when I'm doing this mock. And because I don't have that, I'm not going to go in that direction right now. That's why I mentioned Rayshon Slater from Northwestern. I think he'd be a really intriguing, you know, if he's there in the teens, he could play all five, literally all five spots on the offensive line. I'm not going to draft Travis Etienne. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice and see what's there at 35 for me because I don't, I'm going to call the bluff on everybody in that gauntlet of picks. I'm going to take Gregory Rousseau, defensive lineman, University of Miami. Uh, when we talked about the punch list for how to better the defense, players who can win early reps, he can win early reps inside as a B gap rusher, he can win from the outside. The Dolphins stack a little bit of weight on this guy, make him 275, pair him with Emmanuel Agba and Shaq Lawson. Really excited about that potential. So we're back on the clock at 35. We have 35, 38, and 50 now because of the trade back from 3 to 6. And sure enough, Travis Etienne is gone. He went 23 to the Jets. But, again, your silver lining Javante Williams from North Carolina, if you have not watched this kid's tape, please watch him because he is a stud. And because I have 35 and 38, I'm not going to prioritize picking him at 35 as RB3 in this class because the two teams that are in between me are Atlanta and Cincinnati. Neither one of those real strong candidates to draft a running back. Chris Olave's gone. Kadarius Toney's gone. Zaven Collins, who I mentioned, is gone. Leatherwood's gone. Uh, Vera Tucker's gone. Owusu Koromoa's gone. Uh, so a lot of the names that we talked about made a run off the board. There is a name here that interests me that's going to be a fringe first-round guy. Uh, but he, he wins a lot, not dissimilar to Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, um, in that he, he blitzes a lot on third down. But... He plays in the SEC. He's played against some Big 12 competition and had success in coverage. Talking about Nick Bolton, linebacker from Missouri. Uh, he's kind of the next in line with this like Devin Bush type. He's six foot two thirty-three. And he's really explosive downhill. And he took he played Alabama really well this past year. Um he's the kind of player that I think has the explosiveness. To fill the same kind of role, again, going back to the punch list that we talked about on yesterday's show for the defensive side of the football. Same kind of punch list skill set to replace Elandon Roberts, but be better in coverage. And the fact that he's here at 35 is a bit of a surprise. Uh, linebackers did not go. We saw a run on uh, corners and wide receivers. Like, 
Chris Olave and Kadarius Tony with the two picks in front of Miami here at 35, which is a buzzkill. But so I'm aspiring to draft Nick Bolton and Javante Williams with my next two picks. Uh, we'll see if they cooperate on that front. Uh, but Nick Bolton, I'll make the pick at 35. And I will make Javante Williams the pick here at 36. He's on, or 38, excuse me. He is on the board. The nice thing about doing this for Miami in this kind of structure is you never have to wait too long between picks, right? Uh, so this will be oh, Arizona looking to trade back. Just got a trade offer. They're offering 48 for 81, 197, and next year's two. So I get effectively a two a year early, but I have to give up a three. No, get out of here. Do I look stupid to you? Okay. So on the clock at 50 now. Landon Dickerson's gone. That's a little bit of a buzzkill, but we're going to be all right. I promise. Last top 50 pick in this scenario. Some of the best players available. I'll set the table. Reminder, the players that we have drafted. Devonta Smith, Gregory Rousseau, Nick Bolton, Javante Williams. Devonta Smith, wide receiver Alabama. Gregory Rousseau, defensive end, defensive lineman, hybrid, University of Miami. Nick Bolton, Mike Linebacker, University of Missouri. Javante Williams, running back, North Carolina Tar Heels. Best players available. Liam Eikenberg here at 50. Liam Eikenberg, Davion Nixon, who's a defensive tackle from Iowa. Safety Trevon Mulrig from TCU. Wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. Wide receiver Rondale Moore, Purdue. Wide receiver Nico Collins from Michigan. Safety Javon Holland from Oregon. But there's a name down here just a little bit. This, did, this guy has not had the best season. His draft stock peaked. Last year, Creed Humphrey, interior offensive lineman, University of Oklahoma, left-handed center for a left-handed quarterback? I think so. Uh, He would be, at this point, uh, the potentially third center drafted if Rayshon Slater was drafted with the intent of playing center. Uh, He went to Minnesota at 14 in this mock. Um the only other center taken was Landon Dickerson to the Chargers at 45. So this is center three, Creed Humphrey, Miami Dolphins at 50. I know he's been a name that's been so popular as a first-round pick in, in the past that there's you know maybe some skepticism that he'll be there, and there's a chance that he's not there, of course. The draft is never in absolutes. But the fact that he's here now, and I do think he is a player that is sliding relative to the rest of the the draft class and Landon Dickerson's coming on really strong. Uh, I do think there is a chance that this is a player that the Dolphins could see available to them. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So while I was away telling you about betonline.ag, 
the the player that I was hoping was going to be here at 81 for the Dolphins went like three picks before, and I'm like really pissed about it. <laughs> Elijah Molden, who is a corner from University of Washington. Again, on yesterday's show, we're, we're, the, the punch list topics uh, were very pertinent and relevant because we just got done talking about it yesterday. Uh, what were the punch list items as far as beating a defense that's going to level up this team and get us to the next level? Find an early, find an organic pass rusher that wins one-on-ones. Gregory Russo can become that, I think. Find a linebacker that either can split with Elanian Roberts or take his role and be a more prominent three-down presence. Nick Bolton, I've done that. And better than nickel position. That was the third part of the punch list, and it was right there. Elijah Mullen goes at 77. We're on the board at 81. It is what it is. We'll make do. Uh, so sp- some of the other players that went just in front of this pick, Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon, just went. Hamilcar Rashad, pass rusher from Oregon State, just went. Nose tackle Tyler Shelvin, who I would have picked in a heartbeat irrationally because I have a big love and affinity for nose tackles, and this dude is 362 pounds. He's gone to Denver. Deontay Brown, offensive guard, Alabama, off the board to Arizona. Marvin Wilson, gone off the board to Minnesota. Some good football players still left here. This is a deep class, and this is kind of the appeal of where Miami has their picks and where their picks are allocated. So some of the best players that are available for the Dolphins now. This is where it gets tough. We saw a big run on wide receivers that, that had gone off in the second round. Uh, Diami Brown, gone. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, gone. Nico Collins, gone. Rondale Moore, gone. Amon Ross St. Brown, gone. All these guys that we talked about last time up, uh, they're all off the board. So the best wide receivers available are Seth Williams, Sage Surratt, Amari Rogers, Tylen Wallace, and my guy, Daz Newsom. It feels a little early for Daz, if we're being completely honest. Uh, if you don't un, unfamiliar with Daz Newsom from North Carolina, go put on any Sam Howe YouTube cut-up that you can possibly find and just enjoy watching number five make plays with the football. He's electric. Daz Newsom. I guess the challenge here for Miami is, you know, after all the moving and shaking that we've done, our next pick is still not until 121. So you got to wait 40 picks. Do I feel like Daz Newsom's going to be there? And if he's not, who are the other players that I'm comfortable with? Because I, I think doubling up on wide receiver early on is necessary. Even if they go that route in free agency. I'm tempted to reach a little bit just for the sake that I'm looking at the best players available and I don't see anybody who's like blowing me out of the water. Best players available. Richie Grant, safety from UCF. Daniel Falele, Minnesota offensive tackle. Spencer Brown, offensive tackle. Northern Iowa. Walker Little, offensive lineman from Stanford. Quincy Roche, the other pass rusher from Miami. So it's like, I, I don't love any of these options. I shouldn't sleep on Amari Rogers either. 5'9", 2'10". Slot. Um, Clemson's really gotten him the ball in space and let him make some stuff happen. Interestingly enough, Tony Elliott was a candidate for this position. Uh, Mari's had a, a great season. The best quarterback available is Jamie Newman. 
which is a you know, reach at 81 for Miami anyway with all their other needs on their roster. At corner, Greg Newsom from Northwestern is at least worth mentioning. Man, I am stuck. And no trade offers either, so of course. I'm going to go with Daz Newsom. I don't want to wait and, and miss him. I love him that much. So we're going to draft Daz Newsom at 81. So quick summary. Uh, we, there won't be quite as much commentary with the outside top 100 picks, but I do think it's important for uh, you guys to kind of hear the thought process and who's on the board and start asking yourselves those questions. and Because uh, that, that's all, again, the hypotheticals that you get in this time of year with, with building out a team and opportunity cost. And that's the hard and nuanced part. Here we go. Trade offer from Carolina. 111 for 121 and 254. For the sake of not making 12 picks here in the back end of this draft, yeah, I'm going to do it. So now we're on the board at 111. Best players available. We have Michael Carter running back from North Carolina. Levi and Warzarike from Washington, a defensive lineman. Kenneth Gainwell running back from Memphis. But the name that jumps, and there is one that jumps to me here. Uh, it's defensive side of the football. And it is kind of a... Oh, Brandon Jones was brought in to play the Patrick Chung hybrid linebacker safety role. Uh, there's another safety here uh, that, that I really like. His name is Joshua Bledsoe. He's from Missouri, just like... Uh, Nick Bolton, who was drafted at 35 in this mock draft. And he is really good in the nickel, in coverage in the nickel. So Brandon Jones, a little bit less appealing in coverage, in my opinion, uh, but a little bit better and more consistent tackler. Oh, but Ali McNeil's on the board too. I got to go McNeil. So Lee McNeil, defensive lineman from North Carolina State. Dolphins, you know, Devon Godchild's probably going to be on his way out the door. Uh, you've got some good horses up front, but there's no such thing as too many rotational horses to set the tone up front. Aleem McNeil, 6'2", 315, North Carolina State. Uh, kind of nice interior presence for this Dolphins defense. He's going to be the pick here at 111. So this has been nice. I'm glad the simulator kind of obliged us and gave us a chance to move and shake a little bit. We jumped up, we jumped down. Uh, quick recap of the picks thus far. Devonta Smith, wide receiver. Gregory Rousseau, defensive end. Nick Bolton, linebacker. Javante Williams, running back. Creed Humphrey, center. Daz Newsom, wide receiver. Aleem McNeil, defensive lineman. We have 48, 148 and 152 as the next picks in the queue. Uh, the picks that we have left over total at this point in time, 148, 152, 197, and 202. So we're getting close. we got four more picks. I kind of want to go wide receiver here again because of who is on the board. Uh, Josh Imadarbebe, which if you are not familiar with, a former USC recruit, 6'2", 215. This dude posted a 47-inch vertical jump. 47 <laughs> inches as a high school prep kid. Um, he is really good down the field. Uh, he's got great ball skills. Wins with size on the perimeter. Uh, I think he could challenge Preston Williams for that role in the wide receiver room. So Daz Newsom is more of a true slot. Uh, Going to take over some of what 
has been like Isaiah Ford reps, has been um, Lynn Bowden Jr. reps. I think getting Lynn into more of a, a kind of gadgety hybrid role. Uh, he's definitely on my 53-man roster, no questions asked. And getting Devonta Smith as just you know a, a player that you're featuring as a route runner all over the place. But in Matter Bebe challenging Preston Williams specifically is an opportunity here at 148 that is too good to pass up. I'm stunned he's still on the board. Check him out. You get a chance. Josh Imadarbebe, wide receiver, Illinois. I'm going to pick him at 148. So 152, we got three picks left. Next one, of course, coming just a few picks later at 152. And the name that I'm going to pick here is Patrick Johnson, an edge rusher from Tulane. He's 6'3", 255. So I think he's got the density uh, that Miami's going to co- continue to cover in the front seven. Uh, but this is a player that has been utilized all over the front. He is not just a pure stand up in one spot or put your hand in the dirt and go rush the passer. He's got versatility um, as far as being able to line up in stacked linebacker positions. So ding, 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 Dolphins, Brian Flores, versatility. Uh, that's going to be a huge sell uh, for Patrick Johnson. And getting those kinds of players, you know, this is the same kind of range that Curtis Weaver was was drafted in, and, and that pick kind of burned the Dolphins because they were willing to cut him and expose him to waivers and lost him uh, after trading up for him. But I think this defense can really tick with the more options you have to be interchangeable and plug and play, and whether that's the injury Van Ginkle role or whatever else, um, Patrick Johnson from Tulane is one that I like for this defense because of his versatility. Next pick coming up, 197. We got 197 and 202. 197, an opportunity to draft one Miller Forstall, uh, Alabama tight end. Uh, I think continuing to focus and pay some attention to that group, especially depending on who else comes into the picture here, is worthwhile for Miami. At this point in time, you're you're shooting lottery tickets out into, into reality. And to draft a guy who was at Alabama with Tua, um, perhaps you get lucky. You know, there's, there's maybe not a lot of special teams value with a guy like Miller Forrestal. Uh, but with the amount of reinforcements this team has taken on in the course of the past 48 months, uh, a sixth-round pick is probably going to be a low chance of hitting and making it onto your active roster anyway. Last pick, an obligatory Gerald Alexander selection. Uh, this would be the only corner of this draft class. Cameron Bynum from Cal. Bynum uh, was a came into this year having started 38 consecutive games and worked with Gerald Alexander at Cal. Uh, the Dolphins, we talked about how they need more depth in the corner room. This is a player that they're going to have familiarity with. I think that always matters, especially with these late-round guys. So that's the pick, and that's the draft class. Uh, we ended up, we came in with nine picks to make. We ended up making more than that. We ended up making 11, with thanks to those two tradebacks from three. And this is the class that I hauled. Wide receiver Devonta Smith, Alabama at six. Gregory Rousseau, defensive end for Miami at 18. Mike linebacker Nick Bolton at 35 from University of Missouri. Running back Javante Williams at 38. Center Creed Humphrey at 50. Expectation is those four of those five guys, I would say. I'm not going to peg Gregory Rousseau into a starting role immediately right away. 
But when you take into account that Emmanuel Agba is coming into 2021, at least right now, as an expiring contract, and Shaq Lawson is an expiring contract after 2022, and he's getting 10 mil per year, that pick makes even more sense, in my opinion. But four of those five, Smith, Bolton, Williams, and Humphrey, should be day one starters for the Dolphins. Rousseau, really exciting potential developmentally. Daz Newsom, slot receiver, North Carolina. Run after catch, God, King. He's amazing at it. Uh, rotational defensive lineman in Aline McNeil from North Carolina State at 111. That was a trade-up opportunity thanks to the computer. Josh Imadarbebe, wide receiver from Illinois at 148 in a uh, too good of a value at this point to, to pass up. A potential threat to Preston Williams' role as the backup perimeter wide receiver. Hybrid edge Patrick Johnson from Tulane. Tight end, Miller Forstall from Alabama. Corner, Cameron Bynum, University Cal. I like this class a lot. I would love to hear from you. Send me your tweets at LockedOnFins with a PH on what you think of this draft class. And if you think you can do better, by all means, send them over. Let's have the conversation. We've been holding up the, the floodgates on draft talk all season long while the season's over. And our season... Recap week is also over. So now we get a chance to dig into these a little bit. They're not going to be every week. Don't worry. Uh, But we will do them with some frequency, especially as we get more information and get closer to free agency and after free agency. And this will change a whole bunch. And the nice thing about the simulator is you're always going to have different players available at each juncture that will be worthwhile talking about as well. Kyle Krabs, hope you guys enjoyed. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'll talk with you guys on Monday. Thanks as always for listening.